It's Daniel chapter 6, if you'd like to turn to that in your Bibles. And it's page, page 890. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Satraps were made accountable to them, so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him, because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisers and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went to the Greek to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, who you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God has sent an angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have they I ever done wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. 
I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. And he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I'm here today to talk to you about uh, Daniel and follow on the series. Can I really recommend listening online, actually? Um, there's been some, some really good teaching. I just really encourage you to go back and, and have a look. It was useful to me uh, in my uh, preparation, too. And also, can I ask you to keep your Bibles uh, open uh, as well? It's really good for you to have that in front of you. Um, if I start to either bore you, feel free to read the scripture direct. That's probably a far better thing to do than kind of checking your Facebook. Um, so, so do have it in front. But also, I don't think it's going to be boring. It's a, a very exciting uh, one today. So let me just pray, and then we'll... Crack straight in. Uh, Father God, we love you. Uh, we love your word. We believe it's uh, living uh, and powerful and sharp. Father God, uh, it would be wrong for us to come to you a, a great, uh, the great and glorious God and remain unchanged. Lord, you have new things for us. You have things you want to challenge us with, to transform us with, to, to, to really just, just bring your word like a mirror before us and show us what you'd have us do. So, Father, I pray now that your spirit would come, that we would uh, enjoy being in your word today, that you would change us uh, and move through us, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I'm going to talk today uh, around the idea of um, pray like a man surrounded by lions. Uh, pray like a man surrounded by lions. Uh, also going to talk to you a little bit about the idea of drawing lines. Um, we've already done a bit of chatting about uh, that and try and join these uh, two things uh, together. I want to ask you though, as I start, um, have you ever had one of those days where it's just like everyone and everything is out to get you? Have you ever had one of those days? Um, uh, let me explain one. Um, uh, last Wednesday, um, Claire has just started work at Christians in Sport. My wife, Claire, she works in the uh, office now uh, as an office uh, manager. She loves it. Uh, it does mean that I lose my day off on Mondays, or at least I don't lose it. I have the kids with me. Apparently, I can't say that's losing my day off. It's a day off with children. Uh, I've been challenged. Um, and the kind of pattern and rhythm of life has, has changed a bit. And, and I've been, if I'm honest, a little bit grumpy uh, for the last couple of weeks as I've adjusted to kind of getting up on Mondays and doing the school run and not knowing where anything is in the house because Claire knows and I don't and that kind of thing. Now last Wednesday it kind of reached uh, a peak of awfulness. In, and I'm going to try and describe it to you the first ten minutes of the day. Um, I woke up and in my dream I must have had a row with Claire in my sleep that meant that when I woke up, I was angry at her. Have any of you ever had that? Just, just me? If you have, can you raise your hand? Just because I, I suddenly thought that was totally weird. So, so I woke up having rowed with Claire in my sleep and woke up angry at her, even though we hadn't actually rowed in real life. This meant that I got out of bed in a grump because Claire said, Paddy, can you get up and help because I'm going to work in five minutes. As I flipped my legs out of bed and kind of sprung out in my rage, I did the worst thing possible in bare feet, which was to tread on Lego. If you've done that, raise your hand. Okay, this was sharp Lego, the small two by four yellow piece, the worst. Okay, I've then, and this is totally true, I've then gone, I hate our house, it's so messy, everything's against me, losing my rag, didn't draw the line of staying calm and relaxed, knowing that that scares the kids, hopped out into the kind of landing area and hopped onto a nappy that Claire had just changed. (laughs) True story. Anyone done that? Barefoot, not very good. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what sort of nappy it was. I've then kicked the nappy downstairs, once again, not drawing the line of my anger because I'm cross and I've rowed with Claire and I've trod on Lego and now I've trod on the nappy. And as I stomped down the stairs, I trod on a a Hot Wheels car 
and slipped and strained my right knee, which, uh, being a large man, uh, hurts a lot. Have you ever done that, Hot Wheels car on the stairs? No, just me then. Uh, that's absolutely fine. Later in the day, to make the day even worse, and to kind of tell you how it went, uh, Zach forgot uh, something for school. It was my job to do it. Uh, so we got all the way to school. I was three minutes late. Uh, Zach was star of the week, which apparently means that he takes the register to the office. On the way to school, Zach constantly said to me, but Daddy, the star of the week shouldn't be late. All the way. Now, the first time, it's kind of cute. You're kind of going, oh, yeah, Zach, don't worry. By the 847th time, it was too much. And I basically went, well, you're not the star of the week for me, Zach. Once again, didn't draw the line. I know I'm an awful parent. I can tell you that. I'm a preacher. Um, Later in the day, I got clipped off my motorbike by a lady. Um, An elderly lady who was driving uh, in the rain, uh, pulled out of a roundabout in front of me, didn't see me, even though I was wearing my day-glow jacket, white helmet and lights flashing, but apparently it was dark in noontime, and uh, thankfully my bike was okay, I had to straighten the front wheel. Uh, I was pretty cross with her, if I'm honest, and I could have drawn a line, uh, but I didn't, because it just felt like today everything was out to get me. There was a point, some of you are going, where is he going with this, bear with me. Uh, Later in the day, uh, I tore my favourite jacket on a a sharp bit by co-op. Um, I was late to two meetings. At the second meeting, someone said to me the immortal words, oh, don't worry, I knew you'd be late, you always are. (laughs) Ouch. Um, Claire came back from work and said, why have you been grumpy with me? I said, oh, we had a row. She went, I don't remember it. Uh, Proceeded to then have a real row, just to add to the sleep row, uh, and finished the day with Zach waking up uh, four times having had nightmares. and our neighbours waking up at two in the morning with a big bang, which woke all the kids up. It was a day where it felt like everything and everyone was out to get me. To use the the kind of language of of Daniel, it felt a little bit like there were lions just biting bits off me. Have you ever had a day like that? Have you ever had days where, in that circumstance, you say to yourself, why me? A bit like Barry Balotelli, I guess. Why always me? Anyone ask that? Why me? Come on, God. I've done my bit. What about your part of the deal? I believe in you, surely life shouldn't be quite like this. Anyone said that kind of thing? No, none of you, just me then. Let's try that again. Anyone said that kind of thing? Yes, yes, I'm sure you have. Uh, things like, Father God, I've prayed about this one thing for a long, long time and nothing's happened. What's wrong with this whole prayer thing? It doesn't really work. That kind of thing. Some of you, no, none of you, you're also spiritual. Uh, uh, Father God, um, just doesn't work. This faith thing just doesn't work. You know, I thought you were good. Kind of felt that? They're trying to encourage you today, uh, so do switch in if that's you. If none of those things apply, feel free to listen anyway, but it sounds like you're so switched on, you should be doing the talking. So, um, so that's absolutely fine. Um, I've got what could possibly be the most unspiritual group time question I've ever asked, but I'm going to ask anyway and give you 30 seconds. Here is the question on the board. You and five friends are on a trip in Africa, camping out rough. You have no guns or no weapons of any kind. You're in an area where there are known man-eating lions. You wake up one morning to a nearby roaring sound and see that a large angry lion is sat staring at you all with a hungry look on its face. It's clear he is going to attack. What's your first move? Have a little chat with your friends, just really quickly, for 30 seconds. What's your first move? Just say, um, there is a correct answer. There is a correct answer. It's not just opinion. There is a correct answer. So. Ten seconds left. Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Back to the middle. Back to the front, because I want to get on to the good stuff, which is there. What's the first thing you do? What's your first move? There is a correct answer. I will tell you what it is. Uh, over here. Um, you run 
You run at it, throw stuff and shout. It's not the correct answer. Because you would be eaten. Uh, yes? Yeah, the one with the hand up? Yep. It's, it's a universal sign that you have something to say. So. Uh, God? Pray. It's a very good thing, although with your eyes shut, you might not see him jumping at you. Uh, no, I mean, it's always, it's always a good thing. And, and absolutely, I'm not going to mock it. Very, very good. Well done, Top Stars. Not what I was thinking of, which is probably a, a bad thing. We should probably switch places. Yes? Hide behind a friend. Hide behind a friend. All four, hide behind all four friends. Getting close, getting close. Tommy? Uh, give it sleeping pills. Give it sleeping pills, which, yeah, you could. Sadly, there's no sleeping pills mentioned. I'm going to tell you the correct answer. This is going to sound really brutal, and it's only a joke. Kids don't actually do this. You give your friend a dead leg, surely. Just give your friend a dead leg and then run away. Yeah? Uh, if you don't know what a dead leg is, that's when you need them in the thigh so they can't run, and then you run away. Uh, why? Why? Because the lion will eat him, not you. Now, obviously, that's a joke. Please don't do it. I would never condone violence. But here is my spiritual point. Now, switch in. Okay, switch in. The two aims for today, really briefly, is I'm going to talk to you about how to pray if you feel like you're surrounded by lions. But more importantly, how to live a life that might mean you never get surrounded by lions. That you live a life of such fitness and quality and goodness that you resist the devil and he will flee. Because God's word says the devil goes around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. Yeah, that makes sense? So I'm going to try and do two things. One, tell you how to pray if you feel like you're surrounded. Give you some things to check about. The second thing is to say, well, actually, how could you live in a way that makes you fit, lean, and stronger than the mate you've just given your dead leg to, uh, that, that you could run if that time comes? Does that make sense? And if you remember the joke, you might remember the talk. And if you remember the talk, you might remember to do something about it. And if you remember to do something about it, you might be transformed into godliness, which would be great. Um, it's up to you. Um, here we go. Here we go. Be fitter than your mates. If you are talking about when to draw a line, as Christians, we, we kind of do it. What I mean by this is we often do it to say, well, I want to try and show them. I want to show, by drawing a line, I want to show them how, how good I am. But actually, that's not why we do it. We do it because God knows what he's talking about. Because life is best lived when we follow God's law. In the case of Daniel, in verse 5, this is what the men said about Daniel. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. How awesome that there was nothing in his life, no bit of fat, no little wound that weakened him, no little kind of illness in his bloodstream that kept him from running. At the age of about 80-something, this guy was lean and mean and fitter than the rest. How awesome is that in a Christian life that the only thing they could find fault with would be with something to do about his God? Now, I don't know about you. Sometimes when I say, God, I'm surrounded by these evil lions and everything's out to get me, it's not hard to look slightly beyond into my own life and find that actually I've kind of given them meat to feed on. If, if, if doing things wrong, if sin is, is basically death and lions are attracted to the smell of death, that's what we know, why would we do it? It, it draws them in. Does that make sense? Why would you live in a way that reeks of death when God says, I've saved you from death for new life and new life to the full? We don't just draw a line just to set an example. We draw a line because it keeps us alive. And it keeps us in the joy of what it knows to, to follow God. It gives us fullness of life and, 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 and all the good things that God wants us to enjoy. That's why we draw a line. Please don't get sucked into thinking, I draw a line just so I can set an example. Draw a line because it is for your good. And because God has drawn a line in the sand saying, you are mine. Nothing can snatch me away from you. Do that. 
Because that's how life is meant to be lived. Do that because lions are attracted to the smell of death and weakness and they prey on the weak and they prey on the ones that are small and they prey on the ones that are isolated. Keep yourself fit and strong so that you can resist the devil and he will flee. Stick into church, stick into small groups, stick into God's word, read it, know it, do it, love it, learn it, live it. Keep yourself alive. Not through any strength of your own, but through the power of God at work within you. Draw a line, not just so you can say, look how good I am, but you can say, look how good this life is when lived as I was designed to live. Does that make sense? Be fitter than your mates. I don't mean attractively, kind of, hello, I'm fitter than my mates. I mean, actually, be strong. So that when they look at your life, they say, do you know what? I really wish I had what you had. Because that's the best example. Not, oh, look at him again, not coming out clubbing. My, my brother, my older brother Daniel, went to Loughborough. It's a sports college. Uh, he's worked for Christian Sport as well. It's a great organisation. Very big fans. And um, at Loughborough, Daniel didn't drink. Um, just made the choice not to. Um, he was quite into sport and football and various things. And he was the one that would drive my mates, or his mates, home after clubbing and would look after them, make sure they were lying on their sides in bed. And, and after a while, a couple of them, rather than teasing him about not drinking, came to rely on him and love him because they knew he would be the one that looked out for them. There wasn't a sense of them saying, he's better than me. There was a sense of saying, this guy is living life in a way that doesn't lead to pain and vomit and hangovers and that kind of stuff. But more than that, lives in a way that's good. Does that make sense? Draw a line because it's for your good. Yeah, Daniel did it. There was no charge against him apart from something to do with his God. Do it for your, it's for, for, it's for your own good. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, moving on. Here we go. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, uh, he went home to his upstairs room when the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, uh, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. If I've talked about how not to get surrounded by lions, just as I was doing a minute ago, are you, are you following? I know it's late on a Sunday. You're kind of there. Yeah, don't, don't, don't live in the death. Don't, don't be weak. Don't be isolated. That was how to avoid the lions in the first place. If you feel like you're surrounded by lions, how should you pray? What should you do? Well, give thanks in this. Do you know, in this whole chapter, Daniel never complains. Never protests. Never says to God, it's not fair. Never says, God, I've been here for 80 or so years living faithfully for you, and now this, again, I had my mate thrown in the fire. What are, you, what are you doing now? Never. In fact, in this passage, he's pretty silent. One line of text, pretty silent. But how do you pray if you feel like you're surrounded by lions? Lots of you pray like I do on that bad day I described about. God, take these things away. God, it's not fair. God, why is the Lego out to hurt me? God, why are my kids so messy? God, why is my life so hard right now? It's so difficult. That kind of prayer. And not in a cheesy way, but actually to pray with thanksgiving is a challenge. Do you remember that, that passion in Philippians, one of your, uh, your memory verses for the year? Do you remember that one? Some of you are not sure. No, not so sure. Uh, this one up here, the one that's up there. Do you remember that one if you look at it? Uh, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. It's there as well. It's there a lot of times, actually, with thanksgiving. How do you pray when you're surrounded by lions? You say, Father God, I thank you that you are with me. That you are the Lion of Judah, bigger than any lion I face right now. That, Father God, even if death should take me now, far better to be with you than in this life anyway, which is what Paul said about that, Father God, I have a hope that goes beyond death because you sent your son to live and die and rise in my place. Father God, thank you. Father God, thank you for every second of breath I had. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the natural order of things that will feed these lions and keep them going. Maybe not that one. 
But actually, for some of you, when you feel like you're surrounded, it can be like me, where everything gets really, really negative and bad. And actually, just to change that simple thing about saying, Father God, I thank you that in the midst of this trouble and trial that I have you, that you are faithful, that you're with me to the end. Actually, start to look at the things you could be thankful for. Father, thank you for my family, for my church family. Father, thank you for your word that sustains and guides me. Father God, thank you that I'm never alone, that nothing can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Father God, thank you. Would not be a bad way to do it, would it? And I know that's hard, and some of you sit here going, but you don't know what I've been praying about, and you don't know how long I've been praying about it for, and I don't. And I would never claim to. And some of the stuff that you're facing is big stuff. But can I challenge you to think about maybe one way of praying when you're faced by lions is to add a bit of thanksgiving. Because actually sometimes we get weak so God can lift us up and get strong again. And actually if everything was fine and healthy and dandy all the time, actually sometimes you start to think, well actually this life's okay without God. And sometimes it's it's when you're beyond your resources and beyond your strength that's when you see God there very clearly. Sometimes. But that's hard. I know that's hard. For Daniel, he did what he'd done his whole life. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. Three times a day, 80 or so years. You can do the maths on you that are cleverer than me. Um, windows open towards Jerusalem. Just did it. Nothing changed. I don't know about you. I'm nearly done. Does your faith change and bad things happen? Is your uh, measure of the love of God based on the circumstances you face? Is that, is that anyone? God's God, you're good when, when good when good is good and, and not so good when things are bad. Um, maybe not. Maybe you've kind of gone beyond that. Uh, God's job is not to give you life and wealth and, and happiness, actually. That's, that's not his job. His job is to be God. His, his job is to bring about all things into fulfillment. And, and sometimes that will be personally involved and keeping things going right. And he's always there. But actually, sometimes we shouldn't just think, well, God, your job is to make this okay. To say, Father God, I thank you that you're with me. How can I be transformed more into the likeness of your son? It's a big prayer to say. Father God, how can you develop in me those things you'd have me have? Keep yourself in training. Daniel did it time and time and time again. Now, I'm going to rush on because there's not much time. Um, Daniel was caught praying. Okay, caught praying. The line he drew in the sand was, actually, nothing will change. I will live a life of prayer and faithfulness to my God, regardless of what people say. That even though there is a king in this earth, I've got a king that is higher and greater. I'll follow what he wants me to do. And he kept praying. That was where he drew the line. Prayed with thanksgiving. And he was caught praying. He was thrown into the lion's pit. And uh, I, I don't know about you. Um, just as an, an aside. Um, how nice would it be if God caught you praying? When, when Jesus came back again, how nice would it be if he caught you praying? Have you ever thought about it? Like when, when I was 14 and I was told about Jesus coming back, I often thought to myself, what if he caught me now? What if he caught me now? And like, sometimes I'd be praying on my bike just to make sure I was praying if Jesus came back again. Uh, because even when I was young, I kept getting hit by old ladies in cars. Um, but, but how nice would it be if God caught someone I was praying? And how sad is it that most of the time the world catches the church not praying? It catches the church fighting or, or, or divided or, or being selfish or, or devouring itself. How nice would it be if, if sometimes we were caught praying? Just a, just a thought. Moving on, lastly. Here we go. Neil said 15 minutes. I knew it was going to be a challenge. Um, when it comes to lines, okay, so the two things I've said is uh, make sure you're fitter than your mates. Draw the line. Uh, keep yourself in training. Pray regularly. Have a life of prayer, a habitual life of prayer. Uh, lastly, don't run aimlessly. Okay? Lions are very lazy. They get tired. They stop running after a little while. If you run around in a circle, at some point you're going to run into your lion. Yeah? 
If you have, have an aim in mind, okay, there's a point. Some of you are going, I have no idea what you're saying, but just bear with me. The third point is always a bit of a stretch. Um, this is the words that uh, a non-believing king said about our God. Uh, he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Cyrus the Persian, who is the man who... sent them back to Jerusalem because God was still in control. And did you know between chapters 4 of Daniel and 6 in Daniel, the governments change a number of times? You've got Babylon, Persia, Persia and Media, and then... Uh, yeah, no, some of you didn't. You can read it, it's awesome. Did you know that Cyrus in Isaiah 44 was prophesied before he was even born, about 150 years or so before, that Cyrus the king would come and send his people back? Did you know that? No, but you do now. <laughs> Maybe you did. Maybe some of you are going, I did know that. How awesome is that? That actually, even in this, that, that God was in control. Here's something that's more awesome. And this, no, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell you with all my heart. When I read this passage, I see Jesus. And I'm going to tell you why. Number one, because Cyrus is often compared to a bit like Jesus. He brings his people back home. That's one. Uh, two, Daniel's very, very quiet before his accusers. Just like Jesus was. Uh, a stone is rolled away in the story and sealed with signet ring just like the two with Jesus. Uh, do you remember chapter, uh, verse 5? We can find no charge against this man unless it has something to do with his God. A bit like Jesus. And the more you read it, and the more you read it, I'm not trying to, and once it's easy to do it when you read back, but you get this amazing thing that by mentioning Cyrus the Persian, that God has a plan, that God had a greater plan, that Daniel, who was, who was faithful and good in one sense, shows us some aspects of what was to come much more glorious. When you are in trouble, surrounded by lions, feeling like you are weak and the whole world is out to get you, can I challenge you that you need to remind yourself that this is no aimless life. This life is no accident. That the God who wrought history from the beginning to the end and will come again. That Jesus, when he rises gloriously as he has done and comes before his people and every knee will bow, can I remind you that you are his people, the sheep of his pasture, Can I remind you that when you're facing trouble, that there is nothing, nothing that can compare even to the glory of the God that you worship and follow. That that, that there is no place on earth you can go from his presence, even when it feels like it, that God is there. That if you ran to the depths, that God would be there. Can I encourage and challenge you not to run aimlessly in your time of suffering, but to run to God, whose arms are strong and held open to you, who even in Daniel can give us some glimpses of Jesus who in Daniel can talk about Cyrus, and in Isaiah prophesy about him, a king who would return his people back. Can I encourage you, in your time of suffering, your lions around, to go to that God? Because the choices are very stark. Run to the lion, give up. Say, yeah, take me now. Or run to the one who has the power to save, whose arm is mighty to save. That's all I'm going to say. Sorry it was a bit longer than 15 minutes. I hope that helps. We're going to have a time just to pray in our, our groups. Um, actually, I'll tell you what, to change it. Can I give you time just by yourself? Just by yourself? Uh, just to mull on what I've said? Uh, if there are anything that's unhelpful, I pray that, that God will take it from you. But that actually, if there are things you think, actually, yeah, that's helpful, that you could, you could do that. Um, and then after service, if you want to be prayed for, we can do that together. But just, just where you are, just be still for a moment. Um, call out to God. If you are feeling like you're surrounded by lions, out to get you, can I just try and encourage you that God is with you? Uh, if you're living a life where you know that you are the sick, vulnerable one that would be picked off easy, can I challenge you to change that life? To, to be fitter than your mates? And uh, 
lastly, can I encourage you not to run aimlessly in this life because every day matters. Is that okay? Just where you are, have a bit of a moment and then I'll pray and then we'll sing our final song. Father God, I thank you that in this uh, book of Daniel, uh, Daniel is described as someone who, who followed you and loved you continually. Uh, Father God, I thank you that throughout the rise and fall uh, of governments, that Daniel was a man who, who, who drew lines in his life uh, and excelled uh, and lived a life that glorified you. Father God, we thank you for, for his example. We thank you as we read about uh, or heard read that actually he rose to be the highest of the advisors, that he was so loved by a king that when the king realized his rule, uh, his, the rules he'd, he'd set were going to kill him, that that king set up night and day to try and save him. Father God, help us to be that kind of person, to draw lines, not just so that we can point scorn at others, but to live a life that shows people of the goodness and the love that you have for us. Uh, Father God, I pray uh, two things. Uh, if there are people here uh, who feel like um, there are lions surrounded them, there is trouble and strife and, and hard things around. Some of that's to do with living in a fallen world, some of that spiritual opposition. Father God, I pray that you would strengthen them, encourage them today of your goodness and your power to save. Father, as you kept the lions' mouths closed in this account in Daniel, Father God, we pray against those lions now. Lord, encourage those people here. Father God, if there are people here, uh, and Lord, I count myself among them, people that live in ways that are, 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 are not fit, that is, is not a life of, of godliness or training for godliness, Father God, point those things out that we need to shed off that, Father, those things that we can work at, that you want to work at. Father, God, help us to repent, to turn back to you. Father, clean us from the inside out, Lord. Fit us for your purpose, that we may run the race to the end. Uh, Lastly, Lord, I pray that you would remind us of the awesome hope we have in you, that you're a God who who wrote history, that, Lord, as we read Daniel and see these governments uh, rise and fall, that you are behind it, that already you're preparing your son to come glorious at Christmas, uh, to rise at Easter, having died for the sins of the world. Father, we just pray that you would remind us of that hope. In Jesus' name, amen.